This is Outcasting Overtime from Media for the Public Good, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Hi, I'm Jamie. On this edition from July 2016, Outcaster Brianna reacts to the massacre at Pulse, a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida, and how her reaction prompted her to reflect on the different realities that straight people and LGBTQ people occupy. There's something about day-to-day life as an LGBTQ person that most straight people just don't get. Many LGBTQ people live in a state of heightened awareness and sometimes even fear. A lot of straight people just don't realize how different that can make our lives. They don't normally stop to consider how it affects us to grow up and live in a world where heterosexuality is the norm and where homophobia is commonplace. A lot of LGBTQ people say that we're just like straight people, but we're just not. We have the potential to live lives just like the ones straight people live, but the reality of our world right now creates a fundamentally different life experience. In the early days after the Orlando massacre, much of the mainstream media didn't even mention the LGBTQ identities of many of the victims. Instead, they focused on gun policies and a possible connection to ISIS. Much of the mainstream media left out the fact that the nightclub was a gay nightclub, that this was possibly an act of terrorism toward the LGBTQ community. When I woke up on June 12th and read that there had been a mass shooting in Orlando, Florida, I didn't really think too much of it. I felt the typical sadness that another senseless act of violence had been committed and that lives had likely been lost. The sense of sadness became a sense of horror when I learned just how many had been killed and injured, And then it became fear when I heard just where the massacre had taken place. Learning that the attack was on the gay club Pulse made this more than just another shooting. This was personal. This senseless act of violence targeted my community. People like me. I have a friend who attends college in Orlando, and he's been to Pulse a number of times. I was scared to call and ask if he was okay, because what if he wasn't? What if he didn't answer because he was in the hospital injured? Or worse. He let me know later in the day that he was fine, that he wasn't at the club that night, and I can't describe the sense of relief I felt. He was alive and he was okay. But in the hours and days that followed, I found myself falling back to thinking about how it could have been him. I have so many friends in this community, so many people I care about, and this massacre brought back the ever-present knowledge that there are people in this world who want to intimidate us and stop us from living our lives as LGBTQ people. There are people who want to hurt us. There are people who want to kill us. It could have been any of my friends in that club. It could have been me. This is a reality that I and many LGBTQ people live in. The need to filter everything we say, every reaction we have, in order not to provoke an unwanted reaction, influences so much of our daily interactions that it becomes almost automatic and we hardly think about how much of our existence we have to stifle. In order to be safe, we often have to give up expressing our passions and beliefs. We lock up everything that might put a target on our backs. 
I'm not surprised by people like the Westboro Baptist Church anymore. It hurts, but it's not surprising. The Orlando Massacre was a wake-up call. It was a violent reality check for many of us. This was so much more lethal than the typical homophobia I had previously experienced. I was cruelly reminded of just how much work is left for us, even with same-sex marriage legal nationwide. The battle is not over. I've come to understand that living in fear is something we've grown used to. It's like white noise or TV static, constantly there even if you tend to tune it out. It's something I've adapted to. It's second nature to me now, to always be aware of where I am when I go places with my girlfriend. A laundry list of questions runs through my mind before I even try to hold her hand. Are we on a street late at night? How many people are around? What's this area generally like in terms of acceptance? Is there a group of drunk guys outside that pub we have to walk past? Many street people don't understand all the small ways homophobia affects LGBTQ people in our day-to-day lives. They don't see how there are more issues than marriage equality, that there are societal issues that color how we live. I had to explain to a straight guidance counselor that not all the kids in a middle school GSA would be able to openly tell their parents about the club. I had to explain to a grown woman that for some children, telling their parents that they are involved with the LGBTQ community can put them in emotional and even physical danger. She was genuinely surprised, and I was reminded of just how naive people could be about this. The Orlando Massacre was a horrible, horrible atrocity. It was a reminder for our community that violent hatred is still out there, that there are people who truly want to harm us. I do hope, however, that some good can come out of this, that straight allies realize that the fight is not over and that we still live in fear of what might happen to us. I hope that this helps put our lives into perspective for the many straight people who don't understand. Thanks for listening to Outcasting Overtime from Outcasting Media, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Outcasting Media is a production of Media for the Public Good, based in New York. Our executive producer is Mark Sofas. Visit us at outcastingmedia.org to get information about outcasting, make your tax-deductible donation, watch outcasting videos, access our social media links, and listen to outcasting and related content. You can also find Outcasting wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jamie. Thanks for listening.